OTBGAA. Hurling games, all we can do is do our absolute best, and but we have to dust ourselves down and we have to go again. Just be the best that you can be after that. Subscribe to the OTBGAA podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. Hurling on off the ball with Board Gosh Energy. Hurling, it's anyone's game. All right, delighted to be joined on the line by Anthony Nash. How are you keeping, Anthony? All good, yeah. Great You're stuff. here to uh, represent the poor, downtrodden hurling community of Ireland. <laughs> oh, stop, will you? Jesus Christ. Listen, this no, is a prime time slot, but you've only got five minutes. We want to talk about football, okay? Exactly. The good yeah, stuff, exactly. the really good stuff that people are really interested in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Where the poor are we at? Poor us, poor us. Uh, what have you made of it all? Yeah, look, it's. Uh, do you know what? No, I. For those that saw the game, <laughs> we won't go into too much. For those that saw the game between Cork and Tip, I thought it was. I thought it was exactly what the, what the hurling season needed. Um, just that shot in the arm. Uh, Munster is Munster still in the in the melting pot, like as well. So, uh, I still I know football is getting getting always getting the limelight and everything like that. But I still think there's a lot more to come on the hurling side. It doesn't really get all the limelight though, does it? Like there is no more storied tournament than the Munster hurling championship. Yeah, fair point, yeah. I think later on, like, when you get to the, is it Super Ace now called the football and stuff like that, like, that, that's when it'll really kick off, like, and you see the draws being made for acting as well, so that'll bring its excitement. Um, once the hurling championship, though, you know, is, uh, ever since I started, like, even ever since I started supporting Limerick, ironically, when I was growing up, but um, it's been unbelievable. Like, it's always been, you know, anyone could win it. I know Limerick's dominance over the last few years as well, but... Like it's just for us down here, it was it was always just get out of Munster. It wasn't about your first job was just get out of there. Like and then if you can make a Munster final and win it, all the better. But since the round robin or since that league thing come in, like you know, the, it's just get out, get out if you can in the top three, and uh, it's almost a breath of fresh air when you do get out of it. The greater point of what's gone on over the last week and the story that's just exploded about GA go obviously started with Dunlow Cusack on the Sunday game talking mm-hmm. about hurling and. That's Crow Park, the GEA were shrinking the game and they were exploiting hurling essentially by putting these games on GEA Go. When you look at where hurling is now and the amount of counties that are competitive at the top level, compared to even when you started out in the game, like do you feel that hurling is shrinking? Do you feel that when you look around the country that instead of making progress and instead of it being the greatest game in the world that's been flourishing all over the country, that actually in these strongholds that have always been there, yeah, it's still, but you look at what's happened in Offaly over the yeah. last 15, 20 years and nobody's really stepped up to replace them. That's the perfect example for me. Um, like I did a piece for the 42 this week and the first line was if I threw stones I'd hit glass quickly because I worked for Sky Sports last year and the year before. So like this whole paywall and you know pay to watch and stuff like that. Like, uh, you know, look, I, I believe it's probably here to stay for a certain degree. Um, it's just how it's kind of used and stuff and I suppose with the Cork and Tip game not being available to the whole country it was a shame. Um, you know, but then as I said, look, people will come in and say, who the hell is he talking when he put, he worked for Sky Sports? But I think what Don Logue, I, I think there is a huge argument for what he's saying. Like, what have we, like, eight teams maybe that can win in All-Ireland? You know, maybe. Uh, if you were kind of even at that, or you even got eight teams that could win in All-Ireland? Um, and you see, I'm always, like, I always get asked questions about hurling and my answer is always the same and it's boring. If it's better for the game, then drive on. And what I'm always trying to do is like try and promote hurling in the counties like the Offaly's get Offaly back up we need the likes of Offaly we need mm. more teams coming back like when I was like unfortunately like my two uncles played for Limerick in, in, in 94 and 96 like they lost to, to Wexford and Offaly in the All-Ireland Finals and like Offaly didn't were obviously going well till they 
late nineties and stuff, and then just unfortunately, it's a county that's just seemed to be in trend. I wouldn't even say a transition. Um, you know, Michael Fenn Limited try and do a good job, but we need Offaly. We need every county. We like we need Dublin going stronger than they are even. You know, um, to try and make it as competitive as we can. We need ten teams that can really compete in their provinces because it's. I I, I fell into the trap last year of. Munster's competition is better than Leinster's and I believe that because of the competitive nature but I fell into the trap by saying Munster hurling was better than Leinster hurling and in Kilkenny come out and prove that you know they're the second best team in the country mm. and still could argue that case you know what I mean um, but definitely if you look at what Munster has compared to Leinster I definitely think the competitive nature of that Leinster needs to get stronger we need Offaly back we need you know even if Antrim could take that next step and if Dublin could take that next step and Wexford to maintain what they had the last years you know it would be fantastic and do you think, do you think Crow Park, whatever Crow Park is, want Dublin to take that next step? Do you think they're doing all they can to make sure that Dublin hurling takes that next step? I don't, like I don't know the ins and outs of Dublin hurling. You always get baffled with all oh, the money up there, the money up there. Look, it's it's a huge county. They have huge sponsorship, and if they have money to get it, brilliant, bring it. Do you know what I mean? Like you know, people are afraid that Dublin might come along and take over like they did in football. But until that stage, you should be trying to do everything to get the levels of hurling up. Like they're potentially one of the best managers in the country up there at the moment. I was delighted when I heard his appointment because, you know, I feel like they're going to learn an awful lot from him and he's all earning winning credentials. Um, but whether it's Crow Park or whether it's Dublin or whether the talent is there or not, that's the question. Um, you know, like in 2014, we were haunted to get to the dollar final over uh, Anthony Daly's team when Ryan O'Dwyer was sent off, you know. And next thing, all of a sudden... You know, I know they were pushing in Leinster and stuff since, like, but have they really taken that step? Um, mm. And I'd say it's not from the want to try, but GA hurling need Dublin, Antrim's, Offaly's and these to, to even kick on, you know? Well, they need some leadership as well because, listen, the, the can't see it, can't be it angle of this is most definitely true. And, you know, I heard, um, I think it was Eamon Fennell during the week talking about, you know, kids out in the green and asking them if they watch the match and they're like, what match? Because it's not on TV mm. and 10 year old kids aren't going to go in and say, here, <laughs> I've never even heard of GEA go pay for this streaming yeah. service. It's just not going to happen. Whereas if they're, you know, switching over from Liverpool against Brentford and the matches, there's another match on straight afterwards, they'll sit and watch it. But you look at Martin Fogarty's position as head of national development, hasn't been replaced. That it is easy yeah. to have a pop at the media side of things, but that's one part yeah. of what feels like a much bigger failing around hurling in recent years. Yeah, look, I'm always believing that, like, don't get me wrong now, but a young progressive head going in there to take over hurling, you know, with a modern idea and even with regarding the marketing and stuff like that where they get into the, the grassroots. Like someone said to me lately, like, and it was a valid point, we lost the summer to Messi, you know, or, or the winter to Messi. Do you know what I mean? Like the World Cup was all over TV. It was fantastic. And like I was I was the romantic of it as well. I'd love to see him winning the World Cup as well. But for young fellas growing up, like they're all out in the green playing soccer with Messi jerseys on now, you know, and Ronaldo jerseys and stuff like that. Like, and for the likes of the for the Dublins and stuff like that, if they could see that like the passion and the excitement in the Cork and Tip match last year, like we need the young fellas to walk around pretending to be the Noel McGraths, pretending to be the Patrick Horgans, the TJ Reeds again, you know. That's what we need. Um and they need to be doing that in Dublin as well. Um, you know, like I actually was for, I met Keen Lynch's parents there and they were saying that Joe Dean was Keen Lynch's hero growing up, you know. So it's a cross county thing, like, you know what I mean? So like you need a Dublin young fellas to turn on the TV have a look and see Noel McGrath pulling strings around the middle of the field or, you know, uh, Shane Kingston in the last minute pass to, to Brian Hayes, you know, rather than a soccer match, as you said, that's being streamed on, on, on a channel that most houses have. Uh, I was going to ask, was Don Logue your hero growing up? But you'd probably say it was one of the Limerick lads. Yeah, like Declan and Mahal or my two uncles, they would have played like, so I would have followed that Limerick team growing up. And uh, I was never a goalkeeper until later on in my life. I think it was about 14 when I really started going to goal. So it was always the likes of Declan and Mahal first. 
likes of Kieran Carey and Gary Kirby and the likes of him because I would have followed that team and then obviously come into Cork Brian Corcoran took over for me then as well you know when I was when I started playing for Cork and stuff and obviously then I joined the panel with the likes of the man and um, I would have learned an awful lot off of Don Logan and stuff as well so he kind yeah, of became do, more of a mentor than a hero well, I was going to ask that what what uh, when you were there and as backup to Don Logue was it did you very much feel he was a, a mentor taking you under his wing yeah it was funny like because he said it to me before he never saw me as a threat so he gave me everything he had um, and I, he never, I never was a threat to him really it was only for injury that, you know, that I got in like so um, I, I would have taken his habits away yeah, as in his meticulous pre- preparation and his even the way he looked after himself away from training that when he came to training it was basic hurling is what he was practicing because he did his fitness and his other stuff done away from the training field mm. so, but I would have learned that an awful lot like I'm I'm in with the 20s with Ben O'Connor and Ronan Corn, and I would have learned as much off of them as outfielders as I would have off Don Logue as a goalkeeper because uh, I think I was the curse so Cork won the All-Ireland in 2005 I came in in 2006 and they haven't won one since so, so <laughs> I think everyone was glad to see the back of me when I was gone because it is always interesting that dynamic between goalkeepers where there is a clear number one and we, we had Barry Hennessy on the show a couple of months back when mm. he announced he was stepping away from Limerick and you know that acceptance he almost had that he wasn't going to get past Nicky Quaid but still mm. was there an hour before training preparing the way he was wanting to push him in every possible manner uh, knowing actually that him being at his best would ultimately be rewarded with Nicky Quaid being at his best and, and him being able to take the satisfaction of now of winning all Ireland medals <laughs> at the end of it yeah. but when that period is happening when you're not quite sure whether you're ever going to get that chance like the, were you comfortable being a number two and knowing that your job was to push him to be the best he could be I would have loved to be a number two I was number <laughs> yeah. three for most of it I was like you know I was even fighting for number three with Martin Coleman and number two but uh yeah, like I got my chance and I look like the story's been told like I got my chance at seven and rattled five balls past me but before that game I was hoping to go in and keep a clean sheet put Don Logue under pressure but sure I was delusional at the time like I was only young and then obviously like when he got injured I got my second debut in I suppose years later but for me it was just I enjoyed hurling and I loved hurling I got to travel to training with Ben and Jerry O'Connor like you know and like that was cracking itself like you know and then I was above in the best setup in, in Cork at the time so um, it was either that or give up hurling and go travelling like and stuff so uh, you know, and just look, my career finished out the way it is. I won't bore people and that, like, but I was lucky the way it went. But uh, it was just, I enjoyed being there and I enjoyed looking and coming back and performing with Cantorked in as well was a reward. Yeah. Uh, you've touched on Cork Tip quite a few times there from last mm-hmm. weekend. Uh, brilliantly entertaining for all those who did get to see it. Uh, almost too entertaining in ways in terms of where these sides are trying to go and get this year. Uh, you look at Tip. Okay conceding 419 against Cork after conceding 323 against Ennis like this is very on tip like it feels as to how open mm. they are like when you look at that performance is it is it fine for maybe getting out of Munster but if they come up against the Limerick and Crow Park or Kilkenny and Crow Park like that style of defending is going to see them ripped apart surely but for, first of all both managers have done a fantastic job with each team okay Pat Ryan has taken Cork to a team that have now got the confidence to play the style of hurling that they want. Liam Cahill has taken what I would call a broken county. And the one thing I, I do feel sorry for here is Colin Bonner because he stepped into the into the, the perch of where no one wanted. So in fairness to him, he's done his, uh, his credit to his county there as well. So I'm not having a hit off him. But just the year itself went poorly. Liam Cahill has come in and now turned them around to one of the favourites to get out of Munster. So for me, it's a huge turn of events for them. And he seemed to have built a good team. But while both managers have done an exceptionally good job, both managers are going away from that game with their heads in their hands in a way, kind of going, right, how do we fix this? You know, like Cork for away, and people in Cork will say that they didn't rob a draw, but 
they were probably lucky, you know, to get a draw. Tipperary dominated the middle third for a lot of that game. Um, so Cork to be looking to say how did that happen how did tip out hurlers in the middle third and Tipperary look around and go well you can't concede four goals and expect to get anything they were lucky like if you concede four goals in a game you're lucky to get anything so they mm. got a point so both managers will be annoyed but both managers will be delighted they have three points as well you know so so where are um, the fault lines then for tip defensively that they're conceding seven goals in two games like Cork you can't give Cork space so I've said that like with the pace they've had and it was just as if the tip the tip defence seemed to be pulled out of place once or twice but then like not many teams have a Shane Kingston or a Robbie O'Flynn who can absolutely turn on the gas you know they have to burn us and take off um, so it was a bit of brilliance on Cork's behalf as well as well as tips uh, what would they say um, frailties they'll probably have to look at a more look not a more pacey backline but either a more structured backline or a team that can you know when they're turned can go back and, and, and recover uh, but I thought in the middle third like I thought that they were their hurling was just geez, it was incredible their, twi- their 15 yard strike passing their you know, like they all, I remember I going to the pitches in under 10, like they tell you, you know, the old fashioned, the ball moves faster than the person, and it does, and it still does. And Tipperary moved that ball so quickly around the middle third where I felt Cork were working hard, but it just tip pulled them around. They just played kind of like Rondo style kind of hurling with Noel McGrath, where he was picking, pulling the strings and stuff. And um, it was funny, a juror asked me last week, well, who did I think Tipperary or Cork needed to fix? I said, Noel McGrath and Jason Ford needed to be tied down to win this game. Jason Ford obviously went off just after scoring a great score but Noel McGrath I think I, I, did I read that he had 12 assists or something like that in the game you know plays to his strengths like his strengths are his vision and his hands um, and is it just that Cork, Cork didn't have didn't have the player to get on Noel McGrath then or was it a tactical thing yeah do you know what I think the way Tipperary I think the way Hurley's gone like it's gotten car crash in the middle of the third like you know you're talking about two midfielders and not two midfielders there's nearly eight players out in the middle of the field and huge space inside so like when you have a guy of his intelligence, he'll pull off his marker and get into a position where he's it's just like you're talking about hurling skill, but you're also talking about hurling intelligence. He knows where he needs to be. And you know, it's almost like clear with Tony Kelly. If you look up and Tony Kelly's free, you, you your job is to give Tony Kelly the ball. I would say it's almost the same with Tipperary. You know, give like Roy Keane always spoke about his job was get the ball back and give it to the better player. Mm. Like if you've known McGrath standing in the middle of the field, you want him on the ball because he's just a magician all his career, um, with a with a hurley and a ball, like, you know. So um I think that like Liam Cal will have huge positive, and even the way he spoke about his team after and the supporters get behind him. He has belief in this team. You know he's after blending a lot of good young players with Brian O'Mara and Gerard O'Connor coming in, and you see Mark Kyo coming off the bench and getting one three or one four for Jason Ford. So he's very happy with his squad. But he, he admitted himself after you can't be conceding four goals, and they'll look at that and see right. We've conceded three against Clare, wasn't it? Four against Cork. Mm. There's something going on here, you know, and maybe it's a positional switch of you know, a deeper centre back or something like that. And from Cork's point of view, as you say, lots of green shoots. And in a way, you're looking at them going, brilliant character as well, that they just keep coming back, uh, which is what you want to see from a, a side that's that's making some progress. But also, you've got to stop putting yourself in that position. Yeah, 100%. Uh, look, you, you summed up there, green shoots. And that's what I think Pat has brought to the public here. People are giving him a bit of patience because he's built a such a young, good, strong team. Found a few players, you know, this year as well, and gotten consistency out of those players as well, which is great to see. Like you have to understand now, you're missing Mark Coleman and Alan Connolly off that team, you know, which are two huge losses. Like you know, Alan was coming into form. Mark Coleman has been one of the Cork's better performers, and still he's put a team out that has gotten three points in the first two games. And I'm sure if you knocked in either of those managers' doors at the start of the year and offered them that, they'd have snapped your hands off. You know, I know it's Cork's two home games, but like Tipperary play two away games and have three three points on the board, you know. Um, but the second thing is you cannot be allowing leads build up like that because you can't guarantee you're going to get those goals. Mm. No, Cork looked like score, like they could have had two or three goals in the first 10 minutes as quick as they had them at the end of the game. 
like the one thing that they have is electrifying pace and, and when that hits and when that clicks and there's space there for them uh, and that's why I think Limerick are so good against Cork they don't allow that space when, a, when that space is allowed Cork are one of the best teams to exploit it with their legs um, and it was just summed up by Robbie O'Flynn's goal where it was like I know he took steps I understand that but he was being knocked left right and centre but his gears got him away from the tip defence and then unfortunately pulling his hamstring while in the act of scoring a goal it's so interesting the way the Munster table is now set up at the halfway yeah. stage so you have Cork and Tip on three points you have Limerick and Clare on two points and you have Waterford having lost their first two games but the dynamic of the fixture list now is really interesting so we have Waterford against Clare this Saturday evening 6 o'clock at Semple Stadium but Clare will have played both their games they'll have finished completely before anyone else plays uh, because then they go and they play Cork and Ennis at 2 o'clock the following Sunday so Clare will basically know uh, whether they're through or whether they're out and whether there's three spots available or whether there's just two spots available before any of the other teams get to play again uh, Waterford have offered very little so far they haven't scored a goal. They've been very defensive. Like they've had a bit of a break now to try and regroup and reset and find out exactly what they'll do to replace Tyg de Borca. Do you think Davy Fitz will have looked at those first couple of games and think it needs to be a reset? We need to come and try something different against Clare on Saturday night. I, like I was saying to Joe all year during the league, like that I just didn't understand what he was doing with the three best forwards they had. Like Mikey Kiley was injured, fair enough. Like, but for me, Mikey Kiley. Uh, uh, Bennett, Stephen Bennett, and um, and uh, sorry, no, Desi Hutchinson need to be closer to the goal. Like you know, like when you have three goal scoring threats like that, um, they need to be ever present inside for me. Two of them at least, anyway, you know. Um, and then I felt that Caleb Lyons isn't a natural replacement for Tyde Borka. He is he a good centre back? He is an excellent centre back. He's one of the best holders in the country. But you look at his attributes. He's an attacking defender, and I wouldn't have him at centre back if you're an attacking defender. Leave him on the wing or play in midfield, and maybe. Is it a case of throwing Austin Gleeson back there and playing the Tiger Barker role, you know? Like, he's sitting on the bench. Something obviously wrong, be it injury or whatever. I know each manager has struggled to find his best position, but build your team around, um, you know, your strengths. Uh, for me, it's, it's obviously an interesting side, side show as well with Davey going, playing Claire, mm. like, you know? So I'm sure, like, you know, it'll be interesting to see whether he has some plans for them as well or what he'll do with Tony Kelly. Will he send a Carrot Daly or someone or uh, after him or something like that? But... I think they need to tweak something. I think you're have to, like that's some statement. A Walford team that hasn't scored a goal. I, I alluded to it there a while ago. My first game against Walford was in 2007. Owen Kelly, John Milan, Paul Flynn, Dan Shannon, and like five goals behind me before I knew where he was. Like, do you know what I mean? Like an absolute rip roaring county for scoring goals. Uh, and with the game, me, with the way the game has gone now, uh, like uh, maybe some of Limerick style counters this, but with how fast it is and how technically skillful the players are and how far the Schlitter goes and the scores the teams are racking up, like can you be a defensive team that wins hurling games. I I, I don't think so. I, I don't think so because like if you play against Limerick and you're defensive, they're going to take 35, 40 shots in you. Do you know what I mean? Which they did against Waterford. They had a lot of wides and people are giving mm. out about the wides. But like Limerick were looking up and seeing a body, a field of bodies in front of them. So shoot, reset, win the puck out, shoot again. You're bound to get one or two of them. Do you know what I mean? So that was their whole thing there. So I, I definitely believe. Like like you have to look at it, and it frustrates me. Like I, I know why it frustrates me as a Corkman because I should be happy. But like it frustrates me that the excitement in Watford is gone. You know what I mean? Like like I, that team coming through like were unreal. And this is for me their golden era of players they're going to have for a while again. Like you know you've got exceptional players. You've Bally Gunner winning club all Ireland. You've got you know and I, I just. 
between last year and this year it just seems to be something amiss there I don't know what it is it's a strange thing because you sort of thought that one thing that Davey would bring is that bit of madness back to, mm, to Waterford which yeah. they do seem to thrive <laughs> yeah. on more than any other they hurling do, yeah. county and yeah. it's just been yeah. incredibly flat so far and the fact that, yeah, even, that they even, don't have any home advantage they've had injuries throughout the league yeah. they just haven't had any momentum at all yeah I actually like if you look at Wexford and Walford, they've had a lot of injuries, you know what I mean? Like they've had just, you know, and they're, they're, they're roadblocks like as well, you know. But Davies even, his demeanour on the sideline against Cork like was just a bit softer. He's not defeated because I don't think he's a man that's ever defeated, but like you you, you asked me a second ago, do we need Offaly back? We do. We certainly don't need Walford to start going downhill either. Mm. You know what I mean? We want to keep them up in the top top table as well, but like John O'Dwyer said it, I, I watched the Jago thing back like and he said after, don't be surprised if Walford beat Clare and Nothing has showed that they should by the way they've performed. But still, they could have a lot to say in this championship uh, on Saturday. You know, Davy could have something. But for me, it's finding that centre-back slot to replace. Like, Ty DeBorka, to me, is almost irreplaceable to Watford. Mm. And maybe having more of an attacking threat up front. Like what, I think we spoke about this uh, at the start of the championship that it's, what, seven years since Ozzy Gleeson sort of made that first breakthrough. Yeah. And you're still kind yeah. of talking about where he fit in like him at number six replacing Ty De Borca if he's fully fit if they have him there at six what do they do then with Tony Kelly what is that game plan that actually sees them pull off that shock well like to be honest right we, we used to say with Tony Kelly man mark him and you run the risk of your centre being wide open for goals or let him off to get man of the match and you hold your backline tight. You know what I mean? Like, it's not letting him off. Like, you're letting him off and hoping that the pack pick him up. You know, I spoke to you about midfield there a while ago. Like, there's eight bodies out there. You know, put a little X in his back and know when he crosses mm. the 65 that someone needs to know where he is. No, it's a very difficult mix to do. But, um, you know, it's like the Declan Hannon doesn't follow him and then William O'Donnell who picks him up, you know what I mean? Or something like that. Like, but it's a tough mix um, or else you just create a plus one with or an extra defender or a sweeper and leave Austin Gleeson sweep and get someone like a, a Carrick Daly or, or someone just to tag him all over the field or whoever is, is, is fit enough or a Caleb Lyons to go after him and be that attacking threat as well out in the middle of the field. Uh, looking at Clare, so many of our conversations for so many years are always based around Tony Kelly. He's not on the freeze now. Aidan McCarthy has come in. He scored 120 in the two games. 13 points of that from the place ball, so he's contributing hugely as well uh, from open play. I was reading an article and Anthony Daly was talking about it. I just wanted to get your thoughts on it because he was... Uh, he was talking about how flexible he is and he can play anywhere around that half-forward line. In fact, he thinks that long-term maybe he could go in at centre-back for Clare, that he's such a brilliantly talented hurler. But he was talking about him being a lefty and mm. you know, generally uh, in the minority. I think it's like 10 to 12% around the world are generally left-handed. Uh, but showing, mm. he said, he's a lefty, a natural left, left hand on top, so difficult to mark because you're not used to coming up against it. With an unconventional catcher, grip-wise, when he does catch it, you'd be like, where's he gone? With a lad you know his right hand on top, he catches with his left. He's nearly always going to go out to his right with the striking hand. With Aiden, he has the option of going either way. And that's a nightmare for fellas to try and close down. And when you look at some of the lefties in the game at the moment TJ Reid Connor Whelan Jake Morris Keane Lynch it's a lot of very talented players I'm just I'm just intrigued as to your experience uh, were you a lefty or a righty? so I was left sided but I was right handed I, I was right I was like Tony Kelly I strike with my left side but I'd hold the hurley the natural way the conventional way why? but there's definitely uh, I, do you know what it was just the way I held my hurley I was always told 
like, you know, the natural way to hold a hurley is right hand on top. Mm. But then I was left sided, so I always predominantly as a child. Like, my father tried to get me golfing right sided, and then after a week, he realized, oh, this guy's left handed. So he had to get me a cut down forearm and left handed, like, you know. Um, so, are you, do you write with your left hand? No, so like I was describing there before, I'm I'm like Phil Mickelson and I'm not as good as him by any means, but I write at my right, but if I was to throw a ball, I'd actually throw at my left. So my natural catching hand is my left hand, so it actually suits me in hurling. I prefer to hold a hurling in my right hand anyway, so yeah. I was fortunate enough with those ways. And um, you, so, so the reason Mickelson plays left-handed is that he used to stand in front of his father who was... Uh, yeah, yeah, golfer yeah. in his old right, yeah. his old right, and he was right-handed, so he would stand in front of him, and he would yeah. just copy him, which yeah. meant, meant obviously he ended yeah. up being left-handed. Yeah, no, I was just natural. I was just always that way. I just always struck the ball. I'm actually so bad that way. Like my father, my uncles, and my cousins and grandfather used to always try and get me to hit off my right, and it was they might as well forgot about it. And my leg, I, I played football minor for Cork as well, and I used my right leg for standing on. After that, that was it. Like I kicked everything off my left, like you know. So I was, uh, I was always just just left side dominant, but. But it's an excellent point, like because we had Pat Cronin playing for us in the half hour yeah. like, for years with Cork, like and like he was so good in the air, he was naturally good in the air, but he was also so awkward to mark because he was the guy shoving across with his left arm to the defender. So like you're at training, ninety nine percent of the players you're marking are the conventional right hand on top, as you're saying, and then not only that, you're after naming some like TJ the skill levels of Aidan McCarthy. He's become one of main players' main men. TJ Reid is obviously one of the best hurlers of all time, um, and Connor Whelan, like you know, they're all naturally talented with that additional uh, extra difficulty of marking them because you're not used to marking them. Well, well, you'd assume as well that they find themselves with that little bit more space than mm. right-handed because, as you say, they're jinking the opposite way generally. The players are training against 99% of the time. So uh, suddenly they're approaching all parts of the game in a in a different way. As a goalkeeper, would it have made much difference to you? Um, just targeting puck outs and stuff like that. Like um, I played, I played on field a lot with Cantorco. I played centre back with Cantorco when I was marking a left hander. I always found that awkward because see, I was trying to push across with my right arm to catch. You know what I mean? Which is pushing onto his left arm, which was holding the hurley as well. Mm. Or else you try and play his hand, but that meant you to go to the opposite side. So it, it's it's difficult because it's like a boxer. Like if you have any professional boxer going into fight a southpaw, like he brings in southpaw training partners because he's just not used to that you know what I mean so like it's the same in hurling like that if you know you're coming up against a strong left-handed player like you'll ask a left-handed player to come underneath with you um, and would you have spoken about that would that have been something the coaches would have pointed out and made sure that they were matching people up in training sessions years and years ago we would have gotten feats about players which side they struck off and stuff like that but nowadays when when video is so available to you and stuff like that it's it's just easy to watch like, who, who's going to not know the TJ Reid and Conor Whelan hold the hurl in the left hand you know yeah. if you're going out to mark them like but um, but like you would definitely have to know because it's which side the defender is marking them and then as well for high ball I think the main threat is the high ball right. because how they use themselves under that high ball where you're normally standing on the opposite side of a player like but um but definitely like and you can see all of those players you've named have become exceptionally like TJ Reid's one of the best fielders of all in the game. Connor Whelan for his size is exceptionally good in the air. Well that's not just because they're good in the air, it's just because they also have that additional um difficulty of being left handed. So Clare uh, find themselves on two points they're the one side who can really get to this Limerick team but it's not going to be much good if you can't find yourself getting out of Munster yeah. uh, we're talking about McCarthy there Tony Kelly John Conlon Shane O'Donnell like we talk about a lot of the same players below that is the next level of Clare player ready to challenge for Munster titles to finally get one for what are we a quarter of a century yeah fair enough I can you know like you'd always look at you know the rest of the team like and stuff and the big thing for me was the change in goalkeepers 
Um, now Eva Quilligan came in the last and did, did did fine and did better obviously like you know as well, so he'd, he'd probably keep getting the number one slot but like they have calibre a player like Peter Duggan coming back was huge Mark Rogers for me coming back was huge as well like I would have worked with Mark down in UL so they have definitely got the talents to beat him and and the one thing I find about Limerick and Clare is just that rivalry always brings a closeness to the game be it one team dominating or not there's always lack of fear on both behalf because they've marked each other in school events college events and know each other inside out um, they're definitely good enough yeah definitely good enough it's just like you, there's always that performance because Kilkenny in the back of your head last year you know is that there or not like and can we blame just John Conlon being out in that or is that consistency there where well it's that know, thing like, of are they overly affected by the loss of yeah. certain key players yeah and like to be honest you those players you named they can't afford to lose mm. It, it maybe it's Waterford and Tide Burke, is it? Maybe that's as, as big a deal it is for him, you know. Um, there aren't too many teams that can lose all-star players to that calibre and, and repair themselves. Limerick obviously can and have done in the past and we'll see now going forward without Sean Finn, can they? But there aren't many teams um, that can do it. Like, they'll also look at their frailties against Tipperary and see how they can make sure that that doesn't happen again. And was it that just one up against Limerick got them through? Or can they, this is a big game, can they get themselves back up for a Waterford team who are fighting for their lives? Walford are mathematically not out of this like so this is their all-Ireland final see can they keep this going if Clare can back it up with another win yeah they're good enough to win Munster um, it's just can they do it Well if GA go have any sense they'll have a second camera on Davy and loan for the entire thing and you can probably <laughs> charge 20 quid for the game then we'd all be happy enough Anthony great yeah, stuff as always just, yeah great stuff thanks a million thanks, thanks very much uh, Anthony Nash there hurling it's anyone's game off the ball is teamed up with senior hurling championship sponsors Board Gosh Energy to uncover stories highlighting the positive impact hurling has had on people's lives for full competition details please visit boardgoshenergy.ie forward slash home forward slash BGEGAA Hurling on Off The Ball With Board Gosh Energy Hurling, it's anyone's game